0: The Adam Crowley show. Hey, oh, I'd like to place an order for pickup, please. What's that, sir? Can I place an order for pickup, please? Everything's done at the window, sir. At the window?
1: Yes, sir. It's fast food service.
0: That's funny. I thought the
1: flyers window closed. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. <laughs>
0: Breaking news from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. The Steelers have traded a fifth-round pick for wide receiver Ryan Switzer. Yeah, baby! Super Bowl! It's actually a good move. I bet you the Steelers are going to try to recoup that fifth-round pick at some point, though. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should, too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of Dozens And follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. It is Will Greer week. I will be doing the show, but I'll be basically just going through the motions. College football back on Saturday. Steelers play on Thursday. It's the fourth preseason game. I'm doing post-game. I'm going to throw myself off a bridge. I thought the Steelers played well on Saturday afternoon. I also got out of there at 10 o'clock for the postgame. Not bad. Yeah, you don't care about that. Steelers' defense in six drives with the starters in gave up 51 yards. Pretty darn good after they gave up 50 points to the Philadelphia Eagles the week before. Now, the starters weren't in there giving 51 points up, but they needed a bounce-back performance, and they got it. I am a little worried about the Steelers' offense, though. Now, follow me. I know it's supposed to be the greatest offense in the National Football League and Ben is looking spry and James Washington's a great player and the offensive line's tremendous, but venture back to last year. Rewind just a moment. The Steelers' offense started the season averaging 21 points per game the first eight games. That's not good. Not when you've got Ben and Le'Veon and A.B. in that offensive line. 21 points, 8 games, not good enough. I do think the offense is going to come slow out of the gate again. Le'Veon Bell, again, is late. Vance McDonald's hurt. He's your number 1, up the seam, playmaking tight end. Jesse James, your catch the ball, fall down, and block tight end, also got hurt. And Xavier Grimble, he's hurt too. Who's going to play tight end? Shirtless Tom? That hurts you. James Washington, speaking of hurt, was banged up in the preseason game and didn't get much time with the ones anyhow. So to say that the Steelers are going to start off slow offensively, I don't think it's all that much of a reach. I'm worried about it. If the team's goal is to score 30 points a game, which was the stated goal under Todd Haley, they fell nine points short. That's not good. The Rams led the league in points scored last year. They fell just short of 30 points per game with 29.6. Go back a couple of years, Atlanta scored 33 points a game. The Steelers can do it. I just don't think they will do it because I do think that they'll come out slow to start the year. And this year, starting out slow? Ain't going to behoove them. Last year, the defense was fine. Last year, the defense helped the Steelers that were struggling offensively to 6-2. and two through those eight games. They're giving up 21 points a game, and they're scoring, pardon me, 21 points a game, and yet they still won six of eight. This year, I don't believe in the defense enough to think that they will go six and two. And if they wind up going five and three or some facsimile of, well, guess what? The second half of the schedule is murderer's row. You've got the Saints on the road. You've got Jacksonville on the road. You've got New England. I don't care where you're playing it. Play it on Mars. You don't think you're winning that football game. You've got the Panthers, who were a playoff team last year. If the Steelers start off 5-3 and three this year, if the Steelers start out any worse than 6-2, and two, they're in trouble. They're a playoff team, but they're in trouble. My favorite lit football player, Juju Smith-Schuster, dropped two passes on Saturday and was crushed. Mark Madden went after him again. Tim Benz was poking the bear on Twitter. All the usual cast of characters were making fun of Juju Smith-Schuster's lit ass, and can we stop it? This has been my refrain after every single Steelers preseason game. He's played in three games, He scored a touchdown in each of the first two, he was their leading receiver in terms of wide receivers on Saturday. Can we cut the guy a freaking break until he does something stupid in the regular season? Dropping a pass in the third preseason game on what was a free play anyhow doesn't bother me. I'm not going to get outraged. I can't get outraged. I've tried. I can't. It's hard to drop the fake nonsense when a player drops a ball in a preseason game. Out of all the worries I have about the offense starting slow this year, I don't worry about Juju Smith-Schuster. Last year I did. Last year they started out slow because Le'Veon... Took forever to show up. Martavis Bryant was getting worked back into the offense, and Juju Smith-Schuster was the youngest player in the National Football League. This year, Juju's one of my knowns. AB's one of my knowns. The offensive line, you know, is going to be good. If you want to say that the Steelers are going to start off slow on that side of the football, don't lump Juju in. I'm not lumping Juju in. How much tinkering is too much tinkering, scheme-wise, for the Steelers' defense? What was the biggest criticism of the defense last year? Anybody. 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 Communication. Too many big plays, and a lot of the big plays were the result of poor communication. One half of the defense, as James Harrison told Colin Cowherd, was playing a different scheme than the other half of the defense because the communication wasn't good enough. What do they do? They hire Tom Bradley to be the coach of the back end, I think in large part because Carnell Lake wasn't getting the job done. Well, are the Steelers a little too complicated right now? The Steelers ran some true 4-3 on Saturday. How about that? Don't get mad. Don't get angry. Blitzburg, Steelers, defense, truthers. But they did run some 4-3 on Saturday. Bud Dupree is a down lineman. Matthew Thomas, undrafted out of Florida State, playing in the middle. Bostic and Vince Williams, the true 4-3 outside linebackers. I want to see one inside linebacker on the field, not three. But Mike Tomlin said after the game that they are going to game plan per opponent, and because of that, that led the Steelers to run some true 4-3 on Saturday. All I wonder is, if they're running that, they're running the dollar, they're going to run some nickel with six defensive backs in there, are they going to confuse their own guys? Are they putting too much on this young defense? Are they putting too much? on these young players in the secondary. Artie Burns should probably no longer qualify as young. He's in his third year. Joe Hayden certainly doesn't qualify as young. But if you're going to have three safeties at times on the field, two of them are young at the position. Sean Davis, young at the position for free safety. Terrell Edmonds, young in the league. Now, Morgan Burnett is not young, but he's also new to the Steelers' scheme, so how much tinkering is too much tinkering? Do you worry that the Steelers are trying to put too much on the table? I do to an extent. I think you have to be multiple to win in this league. I think you need to be able to match up against a given opponent to win in this league. But I'd like to see it slow installation. I'd like to see the Steelers master something before they start adding other things. This brings me back to Edmonds. Even though he is young, even though a lot of people thought he was a reach, even though he didn't have that good of a year last year, the Steelers can't keep Edmonds off the field. They need to play their best 11 as much as possible. He's one of them, period. I watched the TV copy of the game on Sunday because I'm sick, and it wasn't clear just how fast he moved after his interception. Live? It looked like he was shot out of a mother-bleeping cannon. The Steelers haven't had many ball-hawking free safeties of late. And be honest with you, as I always am, number 1 virtue of the Crowley show is transparency. I didn't think Edmonds fit that bill. I never thought he could be a free safety. I also didn't think the same thing for Landon Collins, and he's done everything in New York. I think I'm wrong about Edmonds. He's fast. He's athletic enough. I think he can be that sideline the sideline playmaker, and if the Steelers do want to run some 4-3, maybe he's a true 4-3 linebacker. If the Steelers don't want to run 4-3, and they want to run nickel, and they want to run dime, and they want to have a bunch of defensive backs, I feel okay with him maybe being the last line of defense. All I'm saying here is, wherever they use him, However they use him, they have to use him. They have to have him on the field. He's that good. He's that athletic, and he adds a different dimension to this defense that I don't think that they quite have. Morgan Burnett's fine. Maybe Morgan Burnett's the guy that you slide in to play that true 4-3 linebacker spot. And maybe you put Terrell Edmonds on the back end. Now that does leave you with Edmonds and Sean Davis on the back But you got to get your best guys out there. They've got to play. They've got to learn. And in today's day and age, today's league, in this National Football League that we currently watch today, your first-round pick usually needs to play, usually needs to contribute, usually needs to play well. Speaking of a new guy not contributing, Chris Archer, woof. His ERA as a pirate is 645. He has yet to complete six innings since getting traded from Tampa. Not good. Wouldn't it be the ultimate irony for Neil Huntington to do what we've been asking him to do, go out there, get the big fish, give up prospects, and get fired because of it? I never want to see a guy get fired. I never want to see a guy lose his job and not be able to put food on the table for his family. But Neil Huntington getting fired because he brought in Chris Archer, and Chris Archer didn't pitch well enough? Oh my god. Make a movie. It'd be like Moneyball, but the failed version. Make it. Put Leo in as short little Neil Huntington, and I'm watching. You're watching. Everyone's watching. Leo's still beautiful. I don't put this on Neil Huntington, though. You, you kind of have to. I don't, because I was trumpeting this move weeks before it even happened. Go out and get someone. Go out and get Chris Archer. He does He's flopped. Yikes. Tim Benz brought this up in Breakfast with Benz in the Trib. Jay Happ, his ERA since going to the Yankees, 237. Cole Hamels has a seventy-nine point seventy-nine ERA since joining the Cubs. Kevin Gossman, the guy that the Pirates were kicking the tires on, oh boy, 169 nice ERA with the Braves. All the players that we would have criticized the Pirates for picking up because it was the cheap thing to do, because it was the rental thing to do, they've all kicked ass. Meanwhile, Chris Archer, not going 6, except in his ERA where it's 6.45. we got Mark Caboli coming up in seven minutes here on the Crowley Show. We've got a giveaway for you. But we like to have fun when we give things away. We've got a four-pack of tickets, two of them in fact. To see the Dead Daisies, featuring members of White Snake, Bad English, Thin Lizzy, Journey, and Motley Crue, along with Guns N' Roses member Dizzy Reed. Also some very special guests for a night of 70s-style rock this Wednesday, the 29th at Jurgles Rhythm Grill in Warrendale. Jurgles is awesome. You can go and drink. Don't drive, but drink. Listen to 70s music. Two four-packs to give away. And the way we're doing it, we're making you do an impression can be a limited impression, doesn't have to be good, but we want effort and we want to laugh. For example, last week we gave away Steelers tickets for Titan Stillers, and we made people rap. Steelers rap for tickets. This is the kind of effort we're looking for.
2: Black and yellow, black and yellow. Oh, we know that one. Black and yellow. Let's get ready for a fight. Black and yellow. Baby blue and white. Baby blue and white. Baby blue and white. Oh, that doesn't even sound right, right? Have <laughs> you ever seen a Titan in Nashville? I don't have seen a Titan in Nashville, but they do have a zoo. Oh, wait, a zoo? <laughs> what you say, zoo? Zoo? The Nashville Kangaroos? Nashville Kangaroos, yeah, Nashville Kangaroos. That's what they should be called, the Nashville Kangaroos. But don't call them Joey's because we got the Porter. Yeah, he's the... Sack it up. to order. That's right. Seven eighty four in the four one two. It's seven eighty four in the four one two. Twenty-six what? Twenty-six who? Ding dong. Touchdown.
0: That's all I got. That's the guy who won the Titans tickets. So it doesn't have to be quality. No, just make it entertain us. Entertain us. Give us some effort, and you've got an opportunity to win the tickets the best two impressions get a four pack of tickets to see dead daisies on thursday at jurgles
2: and any impression is on the table dig deep people
1: i'm sean connery <laughs> oh, no. like that that's all we need just give it a yeah. shot i'm yeah. sean connery exactly just just come out with something like whoa it's christopher walken here what's going on Huh? <laughs> oh, no. like it's terrible oh, holy hell! it's awful but I mean, we're giving away two tickets, so if you're the first two callers and you try, you make Christopher Walken a New Jersey gangster Italian ticket. Well, no, 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 no. See, it's a common misconception. Hello, I was... it's Michael Kane here. How are you? you folks? Michael, what are you doing out of the cave? I'm Michael We've Caine got
0: Batman. Crime to solve. What are you doing?
1: I'm Michael Kane Batman. Get back to
0: the cave. So that's what we're looking for. Just a little bit. Doesn't have to be great. Coming up next, it's Mark Caboli. Mark Caboli, I love that guy. We're also going to tell you why we're pissed off. We do it every Monday. We'll do it at the end of Caboli. It's a Crowley Show.
1: The Adam Crowley Show. So you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen.
0: Holy crap. I mean, I could see you taking two kibases at once in college, but probably not on a sandwich.
1: Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Steelers'
0: defense looked pretty doggone good in their victory over the Tennessee Titans on Saturday. thought the Titans left a couple of plays on the field. Don't think Marcus Mariota played his best game. But hey, it's much better than giving up 50 points to the Philadelphia Eagles. Joining us now to discuss from the Athletic, he is Mark Caboli. Mark, hello.
3: What's up, Adam?
0: Mark, before we get into any of the nuts and bolts about the Steelers' defense and start looking ahead to the regular season, the Tennessee Titans uniforms, yay or nay? Nah,
3: you know, I don't like them. I mean, put it this way, though. They're better than what they had. What they had was awful. And now I didn't like the ones they had before, the powder blue ones. These Uh, ones they have now just look like a run-of-the-mill stock thing that you see. And I mentioned uh, they look like the Seattle Seahawks road uniforms. Go back to the old Houston Oiler ones. That's the way I want to see it. I don't like. I mean, they're boring. There's nothing to it. But I guess they're better. I'm okay with boring.
0: I'm okay with boring. I think boring makes for the best uniforms. I think that's why the Steelers and the Packers like the and the Giants and the Colts are like all very good.
3: You like the Colts white on white? That's yes, that's I
0: awful. do. Uh, well, see, I like the Titans white helmets, and they're gone.
3: So they they didn't confer with you before they made the change.
0: Good point by you, Mark Cavali joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Mark, the first team defense, much more encouraging now that they had nine of their eleven starters playing. No,
3: yeah, I mean, encouraging is probably a good word, but you probably still can't read a ton of into it if you're not going to read a ton into uh, other preseason games. I don't think I think you got to limit what you you know the the praise on these guys as well because you know. Five minutes into the game, and Mariota throws the ball a little bit higher, and all of a sudden you're giving up seven points midway through the first yep. quarter on an 80 yard play, and all of a sudden things change a little bit. But there's things that, that you have to say that you like, and one of them was, I would say, is you know, the Tennessee Titans are a pretty powerful run team. They got a good offensive line, power running back, and uh, that seemed to give them fits last year at times against Jacksonville, and they were able to limit that pretty significantly. So little things like that, but I don't think that automatically translates into week one in Cleveland and say, oh, all of a sudden this team's good. I mean, they played a half and they screwed up a couple times and they made a mistake, but you – But, you know, at least it's a good taste in your mouth a little bit right now moving forward in certain positions, like like the defensive line, I thought played extremely well. And uh, I thought the outside linebackers played decent as well. So I guess it could be much worse, but I wouldn't read a ton into it, just like on the flip
0: side. Well, Mark, Stephon Tewitt I thought was the best player on the field. If he's back, if he can be that guy, if he's not hampered by the injuries, I don't worry so much about teams being able to run the ball. Uh, and I think he can change the entire complexion of this defense if he can be the guy similar to what Cam Hayward did last year.
3: Yeah, it's funny how he all of a sudden flashes when Cam Hayward returns, huh? No kidding. I mean, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's on. That's a very important thing to to think about right there. But yeah, you know, last year, coming in last year, I was figuring that Steph, I was high on Steph onto it. I thought this is a guy that might be getting ready to take the step past Cam Hayward. And, of course, he played the entire season with a torn bicep, so that went away. But, yeah, he's a, he's a dominant guy. And, and you can't leave out Javon Hargrave, who, I mean, people thought that maybe he was in the doghouse because McCullough's got a start and first team. No, I mean, Hargrave is – an absolute beast this year. And those three out front are going to cause problems. So if those guys can play like they did against the Titans, all three of them. And even, you know, with Tyson Aluoglu, and I think they're on the right. They're going to need good defensive line play to help protect some of the inside linebacker. And you're saying, Josh, John Bostic, you're going to have to keep, I mean, this is what any linebacker and any defensive line, if you keep the offensive linemen off the second level to the keeping their hands off the inside linebackers. Inside linebackers make plays. If they get out there and get their hands on them, no inside linebackers are going to make plays. And uh, I think it's quite important moving forward with this defense.
0: Mark, I want to see the Steelers use more one inside linebacker sets. And we saw the Steelers have three inside linebackers out there at times against Tennessee. Uh, We saw Matthews in the, or yeah, Matthew Thomas, pardon me, in the middle. Uh, We saw Bostic and Vince Williams on the outside with Bud Dupree with his hand in the dirt. I wonder how much we'll see of that in the regular season. And I wonder if the personnel changes if Morgan Burnett's healthy, if maybe he's one of those guys. Maybe Morgan Burnett is your safety deep and you've got Terrell Edmonds in there. Uh, how do you see that working?
3: Options. There's options all over the place there, just as you said right there. I'm not even you're talking about personnel, and I'm even talking about scheme options right now. I mean, You could talk about the dollar and the penny and the seminal, what they had with Matthew Thomas, but all it is is I, I'm not expecting to see a ton of this during a regular season, I think they'll unveil it or unleash it specifically to certain teams, certain personnel, certain... I mean, if you have Rob Gronkowski, you, you want somebody like Morgan Burnett and some hybrid linebacker covering him. Mean, if you got four wides and Drew Brees, you want seven defensive six defensive backs. I think that's just what they're doing right now, giving themselves options to be able to match up with basically anything they see, but I don't think that means that they're just going to, you know, get away from the three-four to four. No, three, I don't think cool, so. either. whatever that. I think it's just a bunch of options, and I think I like it. I mean, you just have to wonder if they pull it out in certain situations where they haven't used it all season, and all of a sudden there could be some communication there. When does it get to be too
0: much? So that's that's so great because I about- I wonder the same thing. Do you worry about? That they're if you're a fan or if you're the coaching staff that they're doing too much given their propensity for miscommunication that was plaguing them last year.
3: Nah, because I don't think they're going to use it that much to be able to put themselves in that position. Say if like they are going to play somebody like uh, New England and they know they're going to use more of that dollar scheme with a hybrid linebacker. There's going to be more practice time with that leading up to the game, so you would imagine that there wouldn't be that much communication. Issue. So I think that's the key there. I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I like the theory behind it. You can't always change your personnel because you're pretty locked in in the NFL and who you got, but you sure can change the scheme and have guys who can do multiple things. And I think that's the approach I have. I always like right about two years ago when they're in New England, Keith Butler said, you know what? Our best chance is just to put rush three defensive guys drop eight in the coverage and hope Tom Brady doesn't pick us apart, but guess what? I'm pretty sure he's going to pick us apart, but still, that's the only thing we can do. Now they got options. Now I think get where it's all about what they're doing here.
0: Mark Aboli from The Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. Matikiewicz, the last inside linebacker to get work. Do you read into that? No. I think he's on the team regardless. I'm not saying he's getting cut, but I don't think we're going to see him at all in the defense this year unless things go horrifically wrong.
3: No. I think you're – I mean, before they would even go to Madakiewicz, I think they would do some more of the hybrid type of Mm. stuff. He just – he hasn't really had that – I mean, last year he had some – in training camp you saw that he showed flashes of, hey, this guy might not be that bad. This year he really hasn't shown anything. It's a guy like LJ Fort has been shown a little bit more than Matakavich. I think you have to keep him on the roster and keep him – you know, in the game plan to speak, so just in case something happened like that, well, I won't say another Shazier happens, but somebody gets hurt, you're not totally scrambling for somebody. But yeah, I think he's pretty much proven that he's a a bit player and a guy that's pretty decent on special teams, but nothing more than that.
0: Which outside linebackers do you think are going to make the team?
3: Whew, uh, we know, we know who's. Supri and Watt, and I think Chikolo, obviously, because he's a backup there. I think they keep on Keon Adams just because he has potential and they like him, and Chikolo might be gone next year. I think that leaves you down to potentially who the fifth guy is. If there is a fifth guy, there would be between Adaini and Hugenin. I think at this point, I think Hugenin might have a little bit of the edge. Oh,
0: I love Ola.
3: He can can love him. He can love him on the practice squad as well. It's not like people are going to be beating down a 20-year-old undrafted free agent rookie who's played about 20 snaps in preseason games and put him on the 53-man now. So I think he'll be eligible to go on the practice squad.
0: Mark, what are your thoughts on the Switzer trade?
3: Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, obviously they want it. It's quite obvious they don't want Antonio Ron Juju Smith-Schuster returning any kind of punt. They were hoping, you know, Justin Thomas, Quadri Henderson, was able to do that. You get him for a fifth-round pick, that's kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh But uh he fills the role of the sixth receiver, Marcus Tucker out. He fills the role of uh, the kick and punt return. It's a guy that I guess he has explosiveness, but – You know, he had the 83-yard punt return last year, but you you remove that, and I think he had 170 yards of punt return yards on 28 returns. That's like six yards
0: of punt return.
3: It's a reason why he's on three different teams in 130 days.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. It it tells you what they think about Cam Sutton doing it, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, Tomlin never likes the defensive guys (laughs) returning punts or kicks. I mean, you might have to go all the way back to 07 with Alan Rossum. They traded for him very similar time of the year, a defensive back, to be able to return kicks and punts. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. But, you know, for the past, how many years have they been trying to find this guy? Jacoby Jones, Alan Rossum, Ryan Switzer, so... A little expensive with a fifth-round pick, but I assume that they got something in mind to be able to get that fifth-round pick. They don't just give fifth-round picks away. That's very important to them. So they're pretty much, I think, sure that they could somehow make a move maybe in the next week or so to be able to replenish that fifth-round Josh round Dobbs? Uh, I'm thinking more like maybe Cody Sensible, to be honest with you. You're looking at a guy who's not bad. He's a veteran. You can use some veteran leadership, play multiple positions, and he really doesn't fit in in the top three here with the Steelers. Why not move him, save some money, and get a fifth round in their bag? But it could be Dobbs. I mean, it definitely could be, but I don't know if Dobbs is worth a fifth round pick to anybody, you know, to be honest with you, because the Steelers know, teams know they're just going to cut him. You know, they know they're just going to cut him, and if, you know, they could pick him up off the waivers, so, uh, I would say Sensible is the most
0: Stephen attractive
3: piece out there. Oh, Ridley's another one. I mean, you could have signed him in the offseason if you wanted him. Nobody wanted him, so he That's came true. back here.
0: Who do you think's making the roster at running back? James Conner? Jalen Samuels now a lock?
3: Yeah, I think Jalen Samuels in there. I think that you has got the four, Bell, Conner, Samuels, and Roosevelt. Knicks, I don't think they'll keep uh Ridley right now, I think Samuels. I mean, Tom has been in love with him since day one. And if he showed anything of anything, he was going to keep him because that's how much he liked him, and he showed enough against Tennessee, in my opinion, to keep him. Um Le'Veon, they have a roster exemption for him until – You know, until he plays basically week one or two, so they can keep actually 54 people. So I don't think they would keep a guy like Ridley around just to cut him on, you know, next Saturday or whatever it would be. So I think they'll keep four there.
0: I said earlier on in the program, Mark, that the Steelers need to have Terrell Edmonds on the field. I mean, I've been so impressed by that guy. Do you think that they see it the same way?
3: Yeah, but where do you put it? That's the I question. The only, the only possibility, and I talked to Keith Butler about this, and he says, hey, don't count this guy being on the field a lot. Then my next question is, where? You don't want to take Morgan Burnett off because he's the sure guy with the, has the communication, not going to make minimal mistakes, can make the tackle. You're not going to take Sean Davis off because you rearranged your whole secondary so he could be the guy in center field to use his speed. Unless there's an injury, what do you got? You got a guy who can play slot now. That's interesting, but he hasn't practiced there at all—very little. And I would like to see, you know, if Edmonds has any chance to get on the field on a regular basis. I would think it's the nickel corner because he's uh, he's probably just as talented as Mike Hilton, you know, coverage, rush, and all that stuff. But he's so much better than him, and you know, run you know run stopping abilities because Hilton's small and Edmonds is a beast. But how do you take Edmonds? How do you take Hilton off if, He's been so good last year. So they'll find spots. And typically, you know, people will get banged up, and that usually works self out like coach talk I just did right there. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to have to find a spot for him. But, what? in my unexpert opinion, that potential 80 yard touchdown pass the Titans had the other day that it was underthrown sure looked like. Terrell, Terrell Edmonds was out of position mm. and really didn't know where to go. That's what you want to avoid. At all costs, the Steelers aren't going to put up with stuff like that, so they'll err on the side of you know veteran leadership and knowing what to do over a rookie to give up an 80-yard play and you're down 7 and nothing four minutes into the game.
0: Mark, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for the time.
3: <laughs> you're slappery today. What's up with that?
0: We're going to slap around like, you. We'll slap around yeah, you, okay?
3: It's almost like a normal show. I'm a little, a little disappointed.
0: Well, we're about to do things that piss us off.
3: All right, sounds good. I won't
0: listen. Thank you. Mark Caboli of The Athletic, poking the bear. Every single Monday, because Mondays suck, we tell you things that piss us off to blow a little steam. You know what's really pissing me off? Home ownership. This weekend, all my friends are going to go to Charlotte for the West Virginia-Tennessee game. You know who can't? Me. Why? I've got to pay money to pave the back alley. My friends will be putting bills into stripper thongs while I'll be putting bills into a new floral arrangement for the side yard. They'll be making jokes about the curtains matching the drapes while I'll be picking out curtains that actually match the drapes. Hardwood? Yep. Floors. Have fun in Charlotte. Here's hoping my property value goes up. Uh, homeownership pisses me off.
1: Being from Baltimore pisses me off. It's a damn embarrassment. It's bad enough everyone is shooting each other in the city. Now these numbnuts have to go down to Florida and do it? This guy gives us all a bad name. In fact... Most of Baltimore already has a bad name. I'm not involved in that. He's helping perpetuate the bad name. Oh, and the Orioles suck, too. Suck it, Baltimore. Nothing good ever comes from there. You know what? You got a police force that's basically as corrupt as, like, some sort of Hollywood blockbuster. These people can't get around- Oh, and they wrote the national anthem there. You know what's really been <laughs> pissing me off lately, guys? Ham. No, you heard me right. Ham, the meat that I'm pretty sure comes from a pig. I mean, what the hell does ham even think it is? You're not turkey. You'll never be turkey. So stop trying to be turkey, ham. I mean, shoot, you're not even roast beef. And the worst part about this is I used to love ham. A little Swiss. Maybe some honey mustard. Oh! Oh, Fantástico. But somewhere along the way, ham stabbed me in the back, and now I can't even look at it without wanting to take it and flush it down the toilet. And what's even with the name ham? I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard!
0: Up next, the one man that can change the Steelers' defense in 2018. It's the Crowley Show. Adam Crowley.
3: Uh, I want to talk about what the hell you guys are doing on a TC because
1: I really don't want to Google condoms, noses, on my uh, work computer. So The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh.
0: Today, the NFL and NFL Players Association released a joint statement, quote, Today, we continued our productive dialogue on the issues that players have raised awareness about, and we remain committed to working together on solutions. In the spirit of our ongoing collaboration and progress, we will continue the confidentiality of our discussions, end quote. That is a statement that said nothing. Rumor has it it was written by Urban Meyer. 4129 is the number. You can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up at 5 o'clock, we've got some tickets to give away. So stay tuned for that. There's one player that can transform the Steelers' defense. One player that can make the Steelers' defense go from a decent defense to one that could be Super Bowl caliber. And he had the best game out of any player I thought on Saturday. That's Stefan Tuitt. If Stephon Tuitt can become the guy that we've all thought Stephon Tuitt could become, the Steelers' defense goes from eh to hey. And the Steelers' chances of winning the Super Bowl go from eh to hey. The defense just needs to get a little bit better than where they were prior to Ryan Shazier's injury. And they're not going to be able to solve or fill that hole. With an inside linebacker. They can't fill it with think he's just a guy. They can't fill it with Vince Williams. He is who he is. Tyler Matikavich stinks. Matthew Thomas is fine, but he was an undrafted rookie, so he's not going to fill the shoes that Ryan Shazier left behind. One guy can clean it up though. And he plays defensive line, that's Stefan to it. Jacksonville last year had two players with twelve plus sacks. And they were one of the best defenses in the NFL. Cam Hayward had 12 sacks last year. I think that Stephon Tuitt can get to that 10 mark. The Chargers had two pass rushers with 10-plus sacks, and they were third in the league in defending the pass last year. If the Steelers can add one to what they've already gotten Cam Hayward, and it's Stephon Tuitt, they can be a good pass defense despite not having good inside linebackers and despite the secondary being still fairly raw in some spots. As Marcovoli said in the last segment, a good defensive lineman can make things easier on the inside linebackers. If you have to block Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuite at the top of their games, you're probably not getting to the second level as an offensive lineman. It probably ain't going to work out the way you want it to. And it's different saying this about Stephon Tuite, I think, than saying it about a Bud Dupree. I think it's different saying this about a Stephon Tuite than it is saying it about a Sean Davis. All high pedigree guys, Bud Dupree a first-round pick, Sean Davis a second-round pick, and of course, Stefan Tewitt a second-round pick. Would have been a first-round pick had he not got hurt his final season at Notre Dame. The difference is, with Stefan Tewitt, we've seen him play very good football when he's been healthy. We've seen him be a dominating force. Think about the first two plays on Saturday. Blows up the offensive line, collapses the pocket. Second play, sacks the quarterback. First couple of plays of last season in Cleveland, he wrecks the Cleveland offensive line and also at the same time tears his bicep. If his bicep's healthy all season long last year, I'm guessing the Steelers' defense doesn't let them down as catastrophically as it did against Jacksonville. The Steelers had problems with the power running game. We saw it against Chicago. We saw them have problems with the power running game against Jacksonville. If you've got two stout, very good defensive linemen, you're not going to have problems with the offensive lines that are going to be thrown at you in these power run schemes. It's not going to hurt you. I also think it behooves you to have two players who can create pressure from the interior of the offensive line when it's a league predominantly with quarterbacks who are going to drop back three steps and throw the ball. If you can get. Pressure up the middle, it's the fastest way to the quarterback. The days of the outside linebacker in this defense getting all the pressure, I don't think have to be over, but as far as this team's concerned, as far as the way that this team is built, I think that it is kind of over for now. If the Steelers can get 20 sacks between those two guys, you're good. You get 20 sacks between those two guys, that means they're playing good football. That means that they're playing the run on the way to the quarterback, and it changes the entire defense. You can then play seven defensive backs on the back end because you've got four stout down linemen that can get after the quarterback. They can create pressure. They can stop the run. You worry about stopping the run when you've got seven DBs. You worry about stopping the run when you've got six DBs. Not if he's playing at the top of his game. And it's not that far-fetched. We've seen it. He just needs to stay healthy. Health's the problem. We said about Ryan Shazier a bunch. He can be one of the better inside linebackers in the game as long as he stayed healthy, and that wound up being the case. When he was healthy, he was a stud. Missed a lot of tackles, fine, but he affected the play. One of the big problems for Stefan Tewitt is that he misses a lot of sacks. He affects the play but doesn't get the quarterback on the ground. That's the next step. This Steelers defense can go from one that got pushed around last year against Jacksonville twice and pushed around against Chicago to one, that if Stefan Tewitt plays football the way that he can, and Cam Hayward continues the success that he had from last season, they're not going to get pushed around by anybody anymore. It makes the back end of the defense better. It makes the linebackers better, all from one guy taking that next step. I think you can make a similar argument with T.J. Watt. The difference there is we've never seen Watt do it and be dominant at the NFL level. I've seen Stefan Tewitt dominate at this level. If he can be that guy this year, then the Steelers' Super Bowl odds go up exponentially. I think he might be the most important Steeler from a a he-needs-to-take-a-step-forward standpoint. If Artie Burns plays better, great. I mean, he locks down one side of the field. I get it. If the safety plays better, great. I get it. That helps a lot. But think about the teams that are getting picked to win the college football playoff this year. Think about the teams that have won the college football playoff in years past. Clemson's got three first-round picks coming up that are going to play on their defensive line. Everyone thinks they're going to the playoff. Everybody who says who picks the playoff says they're going. Why? Defensive line. Why is Alabama always win? Defensive line. Why is the SEC better, they say? Defensive line. Why is Ohio State always good? Well, they've had a Bosa on their line for six years now with Joey's little brother there right now. If you have a good defensive line, it makes the rest of the team better, too. Up next, impressions for tickets, four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call there. And Steelers' sack numbers were somewhat misleading last year, but I think that the numbers can be similar this year. I'll explain. It's a Crowley show.